Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Okay, so I have a special guest on my podcast. This is uh, The Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. And I have a, a person in my life that, was, that played a very, very important role. And actually, it was, a, I think, besides choosing the college that I wanted to attend, this was the second biggest decision I made in my life uh, up at that point. And, and I was a young 22-year-old and and uh, trying to figure out who's going to be my agent. And there was great agents and a ton of agents calling me. But it's one thing that really stood out about uh, my guests. Um, and he, he told me the truth. He told me what, what I didn't know, what I didn't hear. And it was uncomfortable, but I really respected him for that. And that was the big reason I, uh, I chose him. And, yeah, just Angelo. How you doing, buddy? Good, good, good. Yeah, this is uh, Angelo Wright, and uh, I'm, I'm very uh, humbled to be a guest on uh, on Alex Molden's podcast today. So, uh, good morning, good morning out there. Yeah, yeah. So, Angelo, I just want to you know jump right in, man. How did, how, and, and why did you become a sports agent? It sounds cool, you know, especially with the the movies and the TV shows that come out, you know, talking about the sports agents. But why did you get involved with uh, with us knuckleheads? <laughs> well, it was pretty interesting. I, uh, I always, when people ask that question, I said, I always knew what I knew I knew. 
And why I say that was I was almost almost like one of these draft nicks when the players would come out in the draft every year from childhood, I'd read them and look at them and just uh, it, it almost became an innate sense of knowing who could play and who, who couldn't play. I was fortunate enough to uh, uh, have a couple of uh, uh, mentors in that effect that kind of uh, under the shadows of it educated me a bit. Bill Duffy, who's a prominent basketball agent, and uh, a gentleman at the time, I, I just remember his name is Mike, who was at ProServe back in the day when ProServe was big. So they kind of gave me the foundation in terms of educating me with, with it. And at the time, uh, Bill Duffy let me kind of shadow him on Webster Slaughter, uh, who he had a second-round draft pick wide receiver out of San Diego State. And growing up in Cleveland, being a Browns fan and, and following it closely. So after a while, I, uh, I developed a penchant for understanding talent. And uh, I had an interesting thing happen back in, uh, I'm not sure the year, 89, 89, I think, or 90. My father uh, died of lung cancer. And one day on the couch, he asked me when, before he passed, he asked me, when was I going to go work for myself? He had observed me uh, after having completed school and graduate school. And, and, and in his mind, they weren't the right jobs for me. And at the time, I had been at United Airlines. And even my boss pulled me in the office one day and said, hey, man, you're too gifted to be here. And uh, that really uh, set me aback for, for a boss to have that type of observation on your skills. So once my father died of lung cancer, <clears throat> I happened to the next week see Jim Valvano on television. And when he uh, made the uh, now uh, famous statement, as, as long as I laugh every day, as long as I cry every day, as long as I think every day, then I've had a complete day. And uh, that's how I live my life. So when, once I heard that on television, I saw that as almost like an epiphany to tell me, hey, do what you want to do. And at that point, I set forth to embark uh, as a sports agent, and, um, and that's when I got into it. Mm. So, so what I'm hearing is, man, number one is passion. Like, like from a young age, you know, you had a passion for like looking at things from a different lens and seeing talent and, and seeing where that can go. I also hear how relationships are so important, you know, like your relationship with uh, with uh, Bill Duffy. Right? Yes, yes. We and, and Bill and I. People may think agents are all enemies, but Bill and I have been friends uh, since college, and that that was about thirty years ago or so. So uh, I, I definitely believe if you form certain relationships with good people, and you learn to do things the right way then that will, that will carry you. The other thing is important is that you, you stay true to yourself. In other words, be honest with yourself. You, you, I, I never was a person who could tell somebody it wasn't the truth and sleep with it. So as long as I tell you in fair fashion the truth, then I can sleep with it. Uh, it, it may not make you sleep that well, but at least you know it's true. Exactly. And speaking of sleeping well, <laughs> So back in 96, when, you know, I was getting these agents were calling me, I don't know how they got my number, you know, the house number or the apartment number. And uh, I was listening to them and all of them, hey, Alex, you're, you're great. You got speed, you quickness, you're a ferocious, great cover guy, you this, that, and the other. And then lo and behold, this agent calls me, said, yeah, I'm sure everybody's telling you how good you are. But here's the truth. Here's the facts. Here's what the scouts are saying they're saying that Alex you don't play the ball very well when it's deep 
you don't play deep balls very well. And and I was I was shook. I was like, what? First my ego, right? First my ego jumped out. <laughs> I said, man, I can't believe this dude is telling me this. This is death. that's that's not the truth. What is he talking about? And then I looked back and I was like, man, damn, he's right. He is right. <laughs> he told me the truth. <laughs> Well, I think that says a lot about you because one thing for sure, you went back and looked at the tape and you said, well, he might be right. Here's a couple plays. And I remember you went over every play from that year. And I think we had two bad plays. I remember at Arizona, you, you, the guy threw the ball over the top on the right oh, side. Oh, my gosh. I still and, uh, remember that. Arizona yeah. State. Yeah, right. It? Right. And that, that was the only, uh, if you would say, couple bad plays you had. But it, 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 that said a lot for me in the future because I said a great corner, you're not going to have in college, you're going to not have many bad plays. But when you, you translate that to the pro level, you're going to be doing things in a different fashion. The, the uh, coverages may be a little different in that. So if you have some flaws, they'll pick on it. And I think that's one thing a lot of college kids don't realize. They will find your flaws, particularly teams in your division, because they play you twice. So they study the players a little bit more in the division. So uh, to be a consummate professional, you've got to work on those areas that make you better or even and, and you get better at. And I think that that is a tough thing for a lot of millennials because they believe the hype that they see on ESPN and that. And they fail to realize sometimes that they are trying to sell programming. They are trying to get viewers. So they're going to sell all this. But that doesn't necessarily translate into exactly what NFL teams are viewing. As you watch the draft, you watch it last week, there are a ton of great players on film. But there's a reason a guy's in the first round. There's a reason a guy's in the fifth round. There's something they either like or dislike. And there's 32 opinions on that particular player. Mm. It's a good example. They talk about all these can't-miss defensive tackles. Well, other than the big guy, Derek Brown from uh, Auburn, who's massive inside, there's a lot of long, lean guys who are more pass rusher type. So you'll see a trend where teams start running the ball down their throat. That's why the Ravens are successful. Because you got these lean guys inside, but the offensive linemen are 320 and 30 pounds. I don't care how good or how quick you are, that big guy will run you down that field because you don't have enough mass to uh, defend him. And so that said, the NFL, a team of uh, a league of trends, watch in a couple of years how they start to go back to the bigger guy inside because you'll see a lot more people able to run up the middle because they're using these undersized players versus the traditional big horses inside. Mm. So I see like there's trends and it's, and it's just like, you know, cause what I like to talk on is, is principles that that's both in the football world or on the, or on the basketball court, but also what happens out there in the, in the world in terms of like corporations and whatnot, you know, with, with, with trends, right? <laughs> when people yes. or, 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 or companies or whoever's having success, more likely than not, other ones are going to be trying to follow. I've seen it, I've seen it over and over, especially with my time at Nike, is seeing right. how other, other organizations follow the success that Nike has. Right. Well, I tend to think that in the corporate world, technology dictates a lot of transition because uh, the, the demands of the world now are one are one thing are, are a lot different than, than the other days. We never had as much like home delivery for food, stuff like that, Uber, Lyft. Uh, I've made the uh, taxi cab industry obsolete. So I think a lot of businesses, just like the, the uh, uh, not to jump subjects, but, but you look at uh, Blockbuster, 
So oh, I yeah. think what a lot of companies do is they look at examples of failed industries and try to be on the cutting edge of that industry by utilizing a combination of technology and, uh, and, and being expeditious to provide for their consumer, if it's, if, that, if it's that type of business. But I think the world is a lot more volatile. Change occurs so fast. And now that we're in this pandemic, you're going to see traditional companies change uh, in terms of how they try to conduct business because uh, it's just wiped out so many. So I think the similar things in football, you got to watch the trends and be on the cutting edge. Now, one thing unique from now that you have that you didn't have in 1996, in 1996, if a player was drafted in the top five, let's say, or 10, particularly quarterbacks, the rookie was almost set for life financially. Mm. So they altered the structure of that so that they, they're paid well, but not as great. But a late first round pick, you are by no means uh, setting the world on fire anymore with the money. The other thing they do is they add that what's called a fifth year option. And now that rule was where everybody was getting it if they picked up their option, but they made it harder to do that by making the money uh, franchise money. So you'll see in the next couple of years, the majority of players who sign in the first round will never see the fifth year because teams are not going to want to pay $20 million at certain positions. And that's where it's all headed. I think the lowest one now is like 11 or 12 million, maybe a wide receiver. But so you have to stay on the cutting edge, even as you go through this process. Back in your day in 96, most players of quality saw three contracts. Now, if you look at it, some guys see two contracts. The other thing you see now, if a player is not great and he's just good, he typically does not have the opportunity as great in free agency where there used to be 100, maybe 80, 90 guys switching teams. This year, there was somewhat, uh, there were less than 40 that were able to change deals with, with blockbuster uh, type moves. So if you apply economic thought to it, it's a, uh, they get a diminishing rate of return on the higher, they, the higher salary they pay. So now they're trying to move to where you're either going to make it or you don't. If you're a great player, you're gonna get, you're gonna get a ton of money in your second contract. If you're an okay player, good player, you probably will resign with your team or still gain a modest deal. If you're just just on a team, you probably won't see a second contract. And if you look back at how I do it over a three-year period, you look and you add up all the deals and you see who got who made second contract. So it almost reveals a trend in the game is how even though the salaries are going up, teams are trying to minimize the salary by trying to pump up the younger players. Used to be younger players come in and play a little bit. Some of these guys, they put them in the fire, and they're not ready yet. So I think it's a, a, a couple things that a player needs to do in college. First, you have to develop a man's body because they want a grown man. The second thing, you have to develop a keen business acumen in understanding your position and how, how to play that position in the different schemes. So you have to develop a football IQ. And probably the third thing would be is as you manage your career, you want to set, set your career up so that you're, you're definitely going to have uh, money after football. Everybody's not going to get rich playing football, but it's a good foundation for developing a good living. And I think if you, if you can focus on those three things, that will help you simplify the process. And for those guys who have an opportunity of, uh, of being elite players, you can create generational wealth that will, uh, that will lend for good favor for you and your family. Look at basketball, you're seeing it. You see basketball players, they understand, a lot of them, that there's enough money now that you can set up 
businesses or foundations and, and provide really goodwill uh, for people. So I think that's the, the different thing. Back in 96, you had a few guys could do that. But now you're getting guys with 60 to $100 million contracts. Uh, clearly, you could take care of your, your family for a couple generations if it's set up properly. So what is it that us football players, why are we – I mean, what's the deal with us in terms of, man, we only see what's right in front of us? Well, I think it's conditioning. I think it's how you've been raised from Pop Warner up through high school in many cases. And then uh, depending on college, it's, 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 it's no accident that unlike back in, 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 in the 90s, that the power five schools control everything. Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, uh, those type of programs, they, they lead because they have invested as if they are protein. And that helps. You have conditioning, you have nutrition, they have a, uh, a, a table every day where everybody comes and eat. They, they have the film rooms. They, they have all of the amenities that, uh, that are there to set you free. In other words, you, could, you, you get everything you need to be as good as possible. Whereas when you go somewhere like a Fresno State, they don't have all that. Their scholarship isn't as worth as much as those power five schools and the schools that have TV contracts. So I think that plays a role. And the, and the kids that come from those programs are usually the biggest, the best, the fastest. They have all these camps. There's a ton of recruiting. Uh, that, that's, as you mentioned earlier, at the lead of the program, that's a crazy thing where the teams do any and everything to, uh, to acquire the best talent. Now, the development of that talent that remains to be seen by the coaches they have. But it's such a, a frenzy every year, not only securing talent, but securing coaches. So I think the kids get a visual where they only see the, the, uh, the first class element and, and they think they, you know, the one thing it starts at home, just like anything about education. You, when, you, when it starts at home, you need someone grounding you, someone keeping your eye on the prize. And a lot of them lose sight of that and, you know, they get treated better in college than they get treated in the pros. <laughs> That's good. So a lot of it with these athletes and maybe even the parents of the athletes, they've been told that, that they have been so good, like their ability is so good that it trumps everything else, especially like the character. Because I've, I've seen, you know, back when I was playing, but then even now because of social media, you shoot something that just happened just the other day with uh, was that Earl Thomas? Well, you put your you put you know the, the the head right on the nail. Back in the day, things would happen, and even as agents, you could cover up uh, things that happened in the community uh, that wouldn't hit social media. Now you got TMZ and everybody else following people around, and uh, you got to be cognizant cognizant of the scenario. And a lot of these players get in trouble when it's common sense. I mean, Brashad Breeland. I mean, you're you're a pro football player. You already know that you flunked the drug test and you're facing a suspension. So instead of using some intelligence to avoid a situation that may have been promulgated by the cop, it, it, it looks like, but you got to understand he's, it, you're in a small town. People know who you are. Some people are jealous. I think a lot of people, and you, you, you said it right. Social media puts them in an element that uh, they often forget the basic things you need to know. I mean, people like to see people fail for some innate reason. 
And that that the, the player has to always be cognizant of that, has to always be cognizant, of, not cognizant of situations that can, can cause them harm. I mean, you're, you're, it's pounded in your head what the penalties are. You have a security guy on the team. You, they, they, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard for me to say sometimes because you see things happening and you go, how did that happen? I, and what I know on Earl Thomas was, is, is supposed to be a smart guy. But for the truth is, a lot of these players do have <clears throat> side girlfriends. You're talking about early 20s. Guys in their 20s, for the most part, 30. And they have girlfriends in that. And, and again, uh, uh, the w- wife doesn't care about that. She cares about herself and her relationship. So <clears throat> that, that uh, you know, always a problem. And, and as agents, you got to figure out a way for players a lot of times who are like that or choose not to have that type of client. The other issue that you brought up, parents now watch too much TV and social media because they all, they, they, there's become a recent uh, a trend where some parents think they can be the agent or some parents want to handle the marketing. And, um, you know, you don't hire a plumber to do heart surgery. And uh, you see a lot more today of parents thinking they can manage. And then when something bad happens, they're picking up the phone, they call all the agents and they realize that's like a club. The agent's not going to give you information now. He recruited you. But why would he help you out? Mm. So, okay, so what do, what do you look for when you're recruiting an athlete, both, well, ca- both on the field and off the field? What, what are you looking for? The first is character, both football character and uh, character as a person. Is, is, are, is that person a, a good, decent person? <clears throat> Are, are they, you know, what's their background? If they come from a tough background, how have they navigated through tough times? Uh, secondly, you look at what is their hot button? Is this a guy that's looking for somebody to help him develop and create, uh, as we said, generational income, uh, create opportunities and that type of thing? Is it that type of person? Uh, is it a person that'll take coaching? Which is like also, can you take criticism? Very tough with millennials. They do not like criticism. Unlike where you, you were able to take what I told you and process it, a lot of the millennials can't. There, there's a lot of players are very selfish. So you have to weed through to see which guys you can navigate or you, you can work with because if, if there's no match from a chemistry standpoint. The other thing, players, as you alluded to earlier, they want to hear the good stuff all the time. And that's not what's going to make you a good pro and all of that. What can we do to be better? How can we, we affect this better? How do you respond to change, adaptation? Um, just as you use principles in business as you would on a job where you may not get along with someone, but I need to, to function with this person. So sometimes you have to weigh a situation and breathe. You have to understand, okay, let me look at it this way. So the ability to be adaptable is, is very important for a lot of people. Understanding adversity. It's not going to be smooth sailing from draft day all the way for eight years in the league. You may run into a coach you don't like. Uh, relationships. Uh, leaning on your mentors that are un, uh, uh, un uh, or I would say just who are untethered by something that you may say that's wrong and that they're, they're trying to help you focus. And you make your own decisions, but learn how to quantify your decisions so they're the best decisions for you. That's a really a tough uh, thing for young people. And it's more of a generational thing than just beating up well, one kid. Uh, take your parents with, uh, take their advice, but also understand if your parents 
are versed on what they're talking about. I see a lot of kids uh, after the draft, they're making phone calls to you. They, oh, we chose the wrong agent or we chose my brother-in-law. And uh, it's a, it, you, you need to hire a professional. You need to hire someone who's competent, that understands the game and who's able to talk uh, to people in front offices and who knows people in front offices. Who has people looking out for their back if you have a medical that people don't know about or things like that? Um, really just, just setting up a program, setting up a plan, and figuring out how's the best way to augment my plan. Yeah, I, I mean, that's one thing I, I remember from, from our 1996 when we was getting prepped for the combine and the pro days and all that. It's like, man, we we – we had a plan in place and I didn't know what to expect. I just thought that, Hey, you know, I was done with the, uh, with my bowl game. I'm ready. And you end up sending me down to uh, the Bay area and working out with, um, uh, with Raymond. And, uh, I was, got a chance to cover Jerry Rice on a daily for to every day, five days a week for like six months. <laughs> but we right. had a but but you orchestrated such a plan that it really I mean once you you know you told it to me you showed me and you said man we follow this you will get what you're looking for you will get drafted high and and then you know the the ability to to start off on the right foot start your start your career how you wanted it and I think, you know, having somebody that's, that's knowledgeable, that has a plan and follows through with it, I think that's important in any walk of life. Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and, and that comes from studying the, the, the player and understanding the situation. And, and again, as you, as you, back in that day, we, my vision was, okay, if he can play with Jerry Rice every day and J.J. Stokes or whoever else is out there, that's going to give him the ability to go into camp and have the confidence to work against anybody they have. And that, that was, that was trying to, the goal was to speed up your learning curve so that you were, you were prepared and, and set to go. And down in, down in uh, New Orleans, uh, you were, because we had a client that, that was linked to the contract that had a 75% play time in two years. And you and I sat down and, and the reality was, I said, well, if you can't play 75%, two years and uh, you don't deserve to be a first round draft pick. And that was why we took the clause and uh, effectively we were able to lower an 11th uh, selection to what money wise was a seventh pick, which is like four slots. So uh, that's all I cared about is, is what in, in that plan, what is going to put you in a position to maximize your opportunity for income and the ability to get on the field. Mm. Yeah, that was, yeah, now we had a, we was dialed in. We was dialed in. We had fun. <laughs> we, we had some fun. But, um, okay, so so tell me a little bit about, like, today's athlete. I mean, you've already kind of dove in a little bit, but I want to dive in just a little bit deeper in terms of today's athlete with all the, the distractions that they have, um, some of the things or people that – that are in their ear, what can they, what do you suggest? That's a very good, uh, good question because social media creates that problem, as you alluded to. It, that gets more people involved. More people know, think they know what they know. They've 
they've watched ESPN and they've seen these exposés on TV and that and, and uh, how they delve behind the scenes. Isn't that? And, and so they, they buy that. They think that that's all to it. And that's, oh yeah, that's how it works. That's a, uh, so, so that's an issue. The first thing, like, like I said, is, is they, if, it's, if you could get people at home to keep their kids grounded and they keep you know, developing their kids with sage wisdom, like from your grandparents and so forth. And that, that helps, that helps if they're grounded. So that develops their character. The second thing, which is, is, which I think agents have created, you get so many groups that come in early and they're trying to stick money in your pocket or whatever hot button they have. And, 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 and somewhat their perceptions of a player on a racial basis is that he needs something. They don't approach the same uh, with an offensive lineman from Notre Dame happens to be a white kid, they're not walking in the door with a bag of money. But you can be from Ole Miss or Mississippi State, and trust me, they're walking in there, and at the end of the meeting, how much money do you need? So, so the kid has to ferret through what is just buying me because they think that's the way. Instead of getting to know me and understand what makes me tick, they think buying me will, be, will allow them to put me in the back pocket and then don't have to learn um, the nuances of what makes me work, what makes me uh, motivate. And I think agents should play a certain role in being able to motivate players because they don't have, other than them being good and everybody pat, patting them on the back, a lot of times their motivations in life are, are, are a little bit different. Do you, do you like football? You may be great at it, but you may not like it. Hmm. And when you get in the NFL, when you got some of these guys breathing down your neck, everybody's got to eat. Are you mentally prepared? So I think the one thing in general with school uh, for kids is how do I prepare myself for it? How do I address it? How do I feel about the relative importance of my post football career? Not just football. How do I build my life? And I think if they get more life coaching, it helps them visualize these things more. Because if we set back, here's some common threads that that may be true or not true. Selfishness for a millennial, uh, lack of loyalty for a millennial, uh, work hard. They don't work hard. They wanna work smart, but not hard. This is an email society. People can be in the same office and never speak, but email them four or five times a day. That doesn't create leadership. The biggest problem in major corporations today, and I've spoken to several CEOs about this, they get great workers. People are well-educated. But they're not great communicators. So I think if a kid can communicate, and, and now I will say most are well-spoken, but even from a recruiting standpoint as an agent, the way we get phone numbers, you go on their Instagram, you have somebody that knows them, but they don't talk, they text. So it's a conversion in business. Well, how do you get to know someone when they don't communicate with anyone? They just text. Yes. So that's, that would really be helpful if there was more communication instead of texting you at all. I'll just sign with this agent because my buddy signed with this agent and the agent gave him $10,000. So it's a very not knowing thing. that he got to pay it back. <laughs> right. Right. You have to pay it back. And, you know, and they have to understand every dollar is calculated. I mean, even, uh, even, you know, uh, even if you, if a guy gets a lot of money, He's got to figure out that agent is looking for the lost leader. You're going to figure out financially what, what is the risk? What is the exposure? Just as if you were in a finance class 
you're going to look at how much exposure do I have to making that money back. And you're exactly correct. Nothing's free. You better believe there's something to it. Well, uh, so so we come to the point, you know, in my Shark Effect podcast where we get into the blitz period. And so you're familiar with, you know, the different periods you have on the different uh, different parts or points in practice. Uh, so we're going to go to the blitz period. And this is where I kind of sh- uh, fire off a couple of questions at you. And, you know, you just answer back just as quickly as you can. Okay. Sounds cool? Yes. Okay. So what's the best advice you ever received? Uh, listen to listen to you. A winner can't be a winner if he can't be a loser. Take both as they come and be a champion. Mm, I like that. I like that. What would you tell your 23-year-old self? Uh, be a sponge. Learn everything you can. Make observations that are neutral. Do research. Oh, I like that. Okay. And what ability, what ability would you wish you had? Speed. Speed. Yeah, because you wasn't the fastest dude. Great feet, though. You have some pretty good feet, but you're, <laughs> but the speed, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, Angelo, man, I want to thank you so much, um, you know, for your insights. Uh, hopefully this will be able to help out some people. Uh, no matter if you, you, you're in the football world or you're in the corporate world or you're a parent or, or all three, I think there's some great uh, information um, that Angelo was able to, uh, you know, to give us. And um, I really thank you, Angelo. You've been a mentor of mine uh, for for decades and um you know i trust you so well, I, I think that's the highest compliment you you can ask for and i appreciate it and, and uh definitely it's been a, a, a part part of the 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 be- greater memories in my life thank you very much well, i appreciate it angela so angela is there any you know if people want to reach out to you and find out more about you you have any you know, on social media or website or anything have, like that. I, I have share. a Twitter agent man, um, uh, four one five six on Twitter. Um, my uh, email is Angelo dot forty one at gmail dot com. Um, that's pretty much it. I, I do have a Facebook and that, but I don't. I don't really look at that so much because the comments people want to make the general public a lot on football in that venue uh, are, is it spurs. A uh, conversation that often gets way off base, and I don't have a lot of time for it. But uh, definitely, Angelo Dot Forty One at Gmail Dot Com. If anyone has any questions or or have, want some information about something. All right. Well, uh, thank you once again uh, for for being a guest on the Shark Effect, and uh, for any of you you all listening, hopefully you'll be able to get some information that can help you better, better at leading yourself and others. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. 
you can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version or you can get it on Kindle and who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to transition whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever if you're looking to transition into something different this book can help you I break it down I lay down the foundation of who you want to be I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership which is influence and you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making that can help you with influencing others and how are you influenced I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment alignment and adjustment um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter developing your own procedures creating relationship roadmaps using adversity to your advantage right because we all go through tough times but how do you flip it how do you use it to power you okay and then developing your own standards so these are things that can help anybody not just not just athletes now there's some stories in there you know that covers topics that that resonate with athletes but i think overall this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new something different okay so make sure check it out amazon the ultimate playbook for high achievement